0: Hey, this is Arif Rahman. Uh, I'm a Bangladeshi blogger, currently living in the UK, and I certainly do not listen to I Doubt It with Dolmar.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dallimore. All right. Welcome, one and all. And thank you for joining us on this 215th episode of I Doubt It with Dallimore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dallimore, and sitting across from me... The lady with the big eyes, Brittany Page.
2: <laughs> Hello.
1: I really am running out of shit to say. You
2: really are. <laughs> just just start introducing me. Just, this is Brittany. Here she is. It's uh,
1: Yeah. It's... And then I'll
2: start yapping.
1: <laughs> my Maybe it's just today my lo- level of creativity is a little off.
2: You are a little pooped today.
1: I have had a severe neck issue for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm. Like a stiff neck.
1: Yeah, like the, but it's not just like the base of my shoulders and then up into my neck. It radiates down from where the helmet of my skull connects to the, like if your if your skull the top of your head was a helmet, mm-hmm. it would be the base of the helmet. Right there is where it's really f- just fucking no good.
2: Maybe you need to go to the doctor. Nah, huh.
1: it'll it'll pass. No. <laughs>
2: Maybe you need to go.
1: It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. I'll just complain a lot until it does. Oh, great! Rectify itself. <laughs> Isn't that how it works?
2: I don't. I don't think so. No.
1: So what I want to talk about before we get started here is you, Brittany Page. Me. Yeah, you. You're Brittany, and I take walks pretty frequently, and we take walks in an area that is very. Filled with nature.
2: Yeah. Well, you're supposed to get 10,000 steps a day. So we like to walk because we need to get our steps.
1: Well, we also have the health app on the iPhone, which lets you know when you are an unmitigated lazy turd.
2: Right. But we don't... I mean, when you're walking, if you are trying to get 10,000 steps, you can't do that all just walking around your living room. So you have to get out. You have to go walk somewhere. (laughs) Right?
1: Right. So... We like to walk where, you know, there's not a lot of traffic. There's not a lot of worrying about crossing streets. A little kind of a wildlife refuge area. Yes. Nearby the house. And I have noticed, really noticed of late, that Brittany has a weird aversion to nature. No. Well, everybody knows about your phobia and hatred for raccoons. Yes. And possums. Uh-huh. And other furry Woodland creatures, yeah, but you're also you're freaked out by not just like swarms of bees, which we almost got killed by the other day.
2: <laughs> that seems like a legitimate fear yeah but you
1: you're also just if you see a butterfly, you're oh your your hackles <laughs> your hackles go up, and you are you're concerned I, about I, about the danger that that beautiful fluttering <laughs> butterfly might present to you.
2: I do get a little startled, yes.
1: What's the deal?
2: I am not quite sure. I would say that it might be because I didn't spend a lot of time doing outdoor activities when I was younger. I mean, I played in my neighborhood and things like that. But I think growing up in Idaho, most kids like go camping. They go fishing. They do all those you know beautiful outdoor activities. And my family wasn't really down with that. Uh, so... I... It,
1: it I was. I did go camping and do all that shit. But it, it just freaks me out that it's not even like you see a snake across the road. It's like if you see a squirrel and the squirrel, for instance, <laughs> yesterday. Oh, God. There was a squirrel and it had something in its mouth. Mm-hmm. A piece of wood or a, a nut or something. Or an animal. I doubt it was another <laughs> animal. And you were very concerned. I wasn't very about concerned. the anomaly of what was in the in the squirrel's mouth. Well yeah. and even today <laughs> when we walked, you didn't wear your glasses
2: mm-hmm. which
1: is really you, exciting. which it's, I might as well be walking with Ray Charles <laughs> when I'm walking with you without your glasses. yeah and you had to make sure I knew before we left I'm not gonna have my glasses on. So you're going to need to warn me Mm -hmm. if something starts to happen and I need to know about it.
2: Well, like the swarm of bees, because we were walking the other day and it was kind of windy and I looked to the right and there was just this swarm of bees. And
1: it was a lot of bees. it It was a cloud. Of bees. Yeah,
2: it was terrifying. And so I stopped uh, right I, in my tracks.
1: I don't know if it was terrifying.
2: It was terrifying. And so I stopped in my tracks <laughs> and pointed it out to you. And you, you would have been fine just to walk through it. But I was not okay with that. And so we tried to maneuver around it. It took a while for it to pass over the walking area. Why did it take so long?
1: I don't know. Because I don't think it's that big a deal. We could have walked right through... Maybe gotten stung, maybe, but maybe not.
2: So I think what this comes down to is I have hypervigilance.
1: Oh, that's what you're going to pin it to, huh? Yes, I do. And I'm I'm
2: very aware of my surroundings. And when something moves or something new enters the environment, I'm very aware of those things. So (laughs) that's what I...
1: So it's your ninja skills that have made you so weary... Of Mother Nature, of butterflies.
2: Jason Bourne, yes.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of Mother Nature, mm-hmm. wow, that was good.
2: I don't know if it was good. It but...
1: is Mother's Day today, and uh I guess we'll pay our our do our part, our small part, to pay tribute to this not at all made up holiday.
3: Mother, do you think they'll
1: drop the bomb?
4: Hey mama, this, that shit that make you move, cool, mama Get
5: on the floor and move your booty, mama And even as a crack fiend, mama You always was the black queen, mama Mother, do you think they'll like
3: this song?
5: Mama, I'm coming home
6: I'm
3: sorry, mama Mother, do you think they'll try to break
5: my balls?
0: Mother
1: Mother, should I build the wall?
0: Mama tried, mama tried, mama tried to raise me better, but her pleading I denied.
1: That
3: leaves only me to blame, cause mama tried. Mother should I run for president? Your mama don't dance
6: and your daddy
5: don't rock and roll. I trust the government? On my mama jail
1: Happy Mother's Day. So yeah, happy Mother's Day. I guess happy Mother's Day to, to those mothers out there who deserve a thank you and some sort of recognition. And to the rest of you, eh, pound sand. <laughs>
2: aggressive. <laughs> is it
1: though? Is it really aggressive? Cuz not every mother deserves adulation. You know?
2: Mhm. Of course I know. <laughs> I saw
1: yeah, of course you know. So so I did see someone the other day. They posted that they had seen someone preface their their article they were posting or whatever with a trigger warning that it was going to be about Mother's Day oh, wow. to warn those who might not have a good mother or maybe their mother has passed away, that warn them, this is about Mother's Day if you want to avoid this article. <laughs> uh, come well, on.
2: I, I mean, so I I have always had difficulty with Mother's Day given that I have a mom who is uh, not... <laughs> A nice lady right and um my best friend and i we kind of both struggled with mother's day and she is a new mom this is her first mother's day and so your best friend right and so now mother's day has like a whole new meaning for me which is i don't have to think about my negative experience i can think about her being a mom and and Sure. Celebrating her special day. And I've really enjoyed seeing all the Facebook posts today of people that have good, yeah. good relationships with their mom and these beautiful tributes to these so have I. wonderful
1: when people. It's as it should be. Right. That is what it should be.
2: Right. So even though I have an unfortunate situation, I'm not upset by these posts or angered right. by these posts because you don't need a
1: trigger warning
2: no i mean it's good good for you i mean that's awesome yeah, that you absolutely. have that situation
1: right we should everyone should be able to celebrate everybody's good good times it's not just because you had a shitty time and i don't think i had that great a time it was feast or famine growing up it was either my little brother and i were left inside the truck outside the bar where my mom was carousing or we were being dragged to church, depending on what, how much guilt she was feeling that period of time, that that six month period or year period, you know. So, nah, eh. I I don't have strong feelings about Mother's Day relative to the celebration of the holiday, but it's uh, it's what it is,
2: right? And he- and, and if people
1: have good feelings about it, then goddamn, get on it, do it.
2: Well, and even if Mother's Day bums you out because you've lost your mom or you have a bad mom, then that doesn't mean that other people shouldn't be able to celebrate their mom and talk about their mom. Absolutely.
1: Sure. Yeah. So... Uh, happy, happy Mother's Day.
2: Yes. Happy Mother's Day.
1: All right. Well, let's, let's move on. First of all, let's drop the phone number 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dollamore.com. And let's get to some listener participation, some listener communication, Brittany Page. First, we have a question about our feelings about Donald Trump.
7: Hey guys, it's your old buddy Jeremy from Kansas. Long time, no, uh, voicemail recording. Um, I just wanted to get your point of view on something here. I and Forgive me if you've already covered this. I've been uh, incapacitated for a little while, haven't been able to listen to the show. But uh, with Trump basically being the presumptive nominee now, has dropped out, Cruz dropped out, I wanted to know really how you felt about this. Because... A year ago, the prospect of Trump being, just making it to the first debate was laughable. And then him, you know, maybe winning these debates and then starting to, you know, win some of these primaries. He lost Iowa. We thought, oh, thank God this isn't actually going to happen. But here we are now. Um, I've listened to podcasts that talk about how, you know, they're going to move out of the country. I might host one of those shows if he wins. And, you know, now that it's happened, I'm just kind of like, meh. I guess so. I guess this was going to happen. A year ago, I thought it was going to be this dystopian future where Trump wins and, you know, everybody's going to freak out. But nothing's happening. We're all just kind of like, well, yep, I suppose that's right. And a lot of people are saying, well, there's no way he's going to beat uh, Hillary. So who cares? But damn it! Those same people said he wasn't going to make it to the first debate. He wasn't going to win any primaries. Well, he is now the presumptive nominee, and he's one step away from ruling this country. And I'm, I'm not going to say that he'd be a, uh, serving as president. He'd be ruling this country. That's what he'd be doing. Then again, I could be thinking in the dystopian future. Um, who knows? He may end up being a fantastic president, and I'm going to eat my words. But uh, I just want to know how you guys feel now, maybe juxtaposed to where you were a year ago when the thought of this whole charade was, was laughable. And once again, i got to unlock the phone to press stop. Jeremy out.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I I will say this, Jeremy. I, too, can be counted among those who didn't believe he would even run. That he wouldn't release his financials. That he wouldn't win a primary. That he wouldn't. I I was one of those. I was in that camp. Mm Mm-hmm. And here we are. He is the presumptive nominee, but I still hold fast to my belief that he is not going to be elected <laughs> just based on the fact that he has to convince the, uh, the, the the totality or the preponderance of American voters to vote for him. Right now, he's captured the minds and hearts of a minuscule p- population of primary voters. Not It's not the country that is jumping behind him. It's a small percentage of the nation. The other thing, I guess, I could say that, how I feel, is it's really opened my eyes to racism in America. Three years ago, if someone had asked me about racism in America, I would have said, nah, it's a nominal problem. It's not that real. It's only a a, a few people who are, you know, country folk in the south mm-hmm. I, I didn't i didn't i would have for, certainly extolled that it was um a minute number of people and here we are well here we are and uh god damn it's i don't believe that anymore i believe racism is still a big problem in our country huge yeah huge to say the <laughs> least Brittany page <laughs> So that's that's how I feel. I'm 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 a little bit depressed, not in the in the, the clinical sense, but I'm, I'm bummed out that this is where we find our country, that a major political party, the party of Abraham Lincoln is, you know, even though I left it a long time ago, officially. It is still it, it is still makes up the fabric of America and it's shown now to be a hate group, essentially.
2: Right. Well, I, I think Jeremy asked this. And if he didn't, then I guess I heard him ask this. <laughs> um, I believe he wanted to know whether we are still panicked at the idea of him becoming president and if, if that would signal like the end of the world happening. <laughs> did he ask that or did I imagine I, that?
1: I don't, maybe, I mean, it was, it was implied. Okay. You inferred it from the question.
2: Okay. Because I am definitely still concerned. I am concerned. And I believe that Hillary Clinton will smash him with attack ads. But I just, I don't know, because I'm so confused by the support that he has. And I'm, I have several Facebook friends who would post things that kind of seemed like they were in support of Trump, but I couldn't really tell. And they would defend him, but not say they were supporting him. Well,
1: they would, they would openly say, I am not a Trump supporter, but... And then go on to defend Donald Trump.
2: Right, but now those same people are for Trump.
1: Openly for
2: Openly Trump. posting things, and I don't know what's going on, because every time I hear Donald Trump speak, I am not inspired. I'm very confused. I don't understand what's happening. It's like listening to someone that has something going on with their brain, And they seem to be inspired or think that he's espousing good ideas. or, And so I don't understand what's happening. And I don't know how many more people he'll be capable of fooling, essentially.
1: I still have optimism (laughs) that uh, he will not, that he's going to lose um, handily. Like high double digits, I think he'll lose the general election. But again, I've been wrong before. All right, thanks for the call, Jeremy. We appreciate it very much. Let's move on to our next call, Uh, this one dealing with a completely different topic.
8: Hey, guys, this is Andy from Oakland, California. Love the show. Wanted to call in, make a couple of quick comments. First of all, you guys keep on saying it's 2016. You can't believe the stuff that's going on in this country. But you've also mentioned that you're both from Idaho, and as people from Idaho, you should know very well that most of this country does not live in 2016. I'd say most of them are in the late 70s to maybe early 80s at best. But anyway, I wanted to address a couple of issues. The first of which is relating to the meta-analysis about spanking that you were talking about. I've often thought that it might be a good idea in this country to educate parents, something we really don't do for some reason. Uh, We force people to take driver's ed and get a license if they're going to operate a vehicle. And I think bringing a child into the world is just as serious of a responsibility as operating a vehicle. So wouldn't we want to license or educate and license parents as well? Maybe we could give a tax break to people who complete a parenting course or fine people every year who haven't completed a parenting course and have children. Uh, so I wanted to hear what you guys thought about that idea. Then I also wanted to comment on a recent news item that you spoke briefly about, where in some southern state, they now are giving counselors or social workers, mental health professionals, the ability to decline services to people who whose lifestyle conflicts with the counselor's deeply held religious beliefs. I've... I'm a psychologist and I sometimes come at this from the other end where people's religious beliefs are offensive to me. Um, But as a psychologist, we, you know, I'm supposed to remain neutral and I try my best to remain neutral and provide services to anyone who comes through my door. That being said, if I feel that their lifestyle or their beliefs are so offensive to me that I can't be a good clinician, that I can't provide appropriate service to that person, not only should I have the right to refuse service to them, it's actually my ethical obligation to decline and to refer them out. Um, Not because I'm entitled to judge or sit in judgment of their lifestyle, but because they deserve appropriate care. And if I can't provide it, then I need to refer them out. So I wanted to hear what you guys thought about that. Uh, Especially considering that Brittany is in the field. So, anyway, thanks a lot and I love the show. Talk to you soon. Okay, well, let's, let's, uh, thanks for the call. First of all,
1: get that out right out of the way. Uh, let's, let's address what do you think, Brittany? The last of the, of the, of the points first. Well, work back to front. Yeah, yeah. Um, I
2: don't think you're supposed to do that.
1: I, I would say, I would say this. Is that a, a diaper changing joke right there? Is that what that was?
2: Uh, no, it's like a wiping joke. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. But that's not. It's not just for babies. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a general uh, rule of thumb. I, I,
1: I would say this, Andy, um, and I don't mean that. I don't mean this to be offensive or 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 aggressive. But if you don't feel like you can um, give that quality care because of someone's lifestyle, then maybe you're not in the right business. And I don't think you're saying that. But I think you're just kind of playing devil's advocate here. But man, maybe we just look at it differently. But I I look at the the field of psychology. Maybe I'm the wrong one to talk here. But I look at the field of psychology as just another form of medicine. It is a health care profession. If I have a brain tumor or if I have skin cancer and I go to a doctor and they don't like my lifestyle... They don't have the option to refer me out because I like to party or whatever. And I look at psychology the same way. Now, from a philosophical standpoint or a pragmatic standpoint, let's say, I do agree with you that if you can't do it for, for their sake and their betterment, they should be referred on to someone else. But it opens a larger question of whether or not a psychologist who is unable to set those differences aside should actually be in the field.
2: So being in the field, I would have to say that you are probably (laughs) being a little aggressive about it. Me? Yeah, but, but I would say that Andy... He's making a good point in that if he feels that he cannot be even keel, then yeah, you you should be referring the person. If you cannot do it, then yes, for their benefit, you know, refer them on. But like like you're saying, and I, I do tend to agree with what you're saying you should be able to put those differences aside. And I have had many clients that are just polar opposite from me, but you should be able to kind of put those differences aside and focus on what they're bringing in and what you can connect to them on and, sure. and, and work from there. So well, let's
1: let's put this in a different light. let's put it, take it from a different angle. Obviously here we're talking about LGBT issues when we use the word lifestyle. Which the preponderance of science has led us to, to believe, to understand that it is a, that is something that is, is formed at birth. You're born gay. You don't choose to be gay. You're, bo- you're born that way. So, as a psychologist, any psychologist, if they were to turn away someone because they're black, and they can't, I'm sorry, I can't give you mental health care I cannot treat you. I cannot help you to become whole, to become well, to become better. because you were born black, that person shouldn't be in the field.
2: Well, Andy is talking about religious beliefs, right? So he said there are people that have religious beliefs right. that are offensive okay. to oh, him. No, you're right. hang you no, know, hang on. Well I'd like so
1: let's say that a black and a white couple come in for family therapy and the psychologist can't get past that because of their religious belief, maybe they shouldn't be in the field. That's that's what I'm saying.
2: So when Andy says that there are religious beliefs that are offensive to him, and if they are so offensive to him, essentially, that he can't work with the person, then he'll refer them out. What I appreciate about my particular site is that we are encouraged to remain curious about people Mm -hmm. and explore their experience from their perspective. So even if someone comes in and they're very different from me, their values are different than me. Let's say they believe in God. Let's say they, you know, have different relationships than me. Anything. I remain curious about their life and I want to know more about it. So I kind of take myself out of the equation. It doesn't really matter what I think or what my values are because I'm focusing on that person. Yeah. I mean, does uh, that make sense? I, yeah, I
1: could see that. I, I I guess in my mind, like right now when I'm, I'm noodling it through as you're talking, I'm making a, I'm differentiating between being born a certain way and maybe an actual like, let's say someone comes in and they really promote NAMBLA, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, and they want to, they feel that they are justified and they should be able to molest and rape children. I could see that being a problem for someone and saying, no, I'm not going to treat you.
2: Well, that's also illegal.
1: Well, but that is, I'm just trying to think of some instance where I would would think it would be justified. I don't think there is an instance where you are, you're born gay, you're born black, you're whatever. And then because of some religious fairy tale, you're allowed to not provide health care. I, I don't know. I, it's for me, it's it's more of a hard line in the sand. But then the argument that wouldn't that person want to be referred on because they don't want this. This thing hanging out there during sessions.
2: Well yeah, because if if this person's coming in and you believe that their lifestyle is abhorrent and every time they leave session, or the entire time during session, there's only negative thoughts in your head, or yeah. you're just bothered, or disgusted, or whatever it might be. That's that's harmful to that person. Yeah, yeah, no, and, I, I get and, it. And so you don't want to be harming people. I mean, that's what this is all. We're in a helping profession. I,
1: I totally, I I totally understand it. I get it. My my thing that, that I'm hung up on is the fact that this is the this is medical care. I don't look at let's say clinical depression, as anything different than an actual medical problem. It's just a medical problem that's happening inside the brain. So, and I know you believe that too. It's just, it, it's hard for me. I get, you know, again, I kind of get jessied up and kind of fired, <laughs> fired up about it.
2: Yeah, we see that.
1: <laughs> the other thing, let's go back to, were the the parenting thing enforcing parenting classes or giving tax breaks for parenting classes? That's great. Well, I, I could I can get behind the tax break thing, but I can't get behind the fine thing because having children is a biological t- determinism. Was
2: there a fine thing?
1: He said fine. Oh, he said tax break or fine them if they don't do it. Mm. I would be against the fine, but I would be for the tax break. Um, but they would have to really structure. Because I know you know, people who have gotten DUIs, and they go to like DUI classes or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's it, it's a fucking joke. Mm-hmm. So the, the classes would have to be very interactive, no way to just slough it off and sneak out and go to lunch, and then come back and sign your card and say you were there.
2: You know, Andy, I'll do you one better, which is they should play the Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew Loveline years. Like, you should be required... <laughs> To listen to those years yeah, yeah. of Loveline, because those are the most informational episodes that you'll ever hear of anything. They talk about relationships, psychology, sex, everything. Yeah. And you can go listen to those. And how you to can fuck up your kid. Yeah, you can go track th- down those episodes. And seriously, I believe everyone should be required to listen to the Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew Loveline years, because those... Those were my parents. I mean, that was my parents growing up. Yeah. That's where I learned things. And that is just amazing information. So when you're talking about parenting classes, they should have a Loveline class in high school that everyone is required <laughs> to attend where they just sit there and listen to these episodes.
1: Throwback episodes. Yes. Right. All right. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it, Andy, very much. It really is. It's a good conversation. In some ways, it's a tough conversation, but we appreciate the call. Again, 657 464 7609. You can do like these two callers have done and email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at com. All right. Well, let's move on. The Joe Paterno, Jerry Sandusky child rape issue at Penn State University happened before we started this podcast. However, Brittany and I were very vocal about this, even before we had microphones to amplify <laughs> our opinions. So we're going to cover this like follow-up, even though it's written technically not follow-up. Some recent court documents have revealed that head coach Joe Paterno may have known about the child rapes con- con- committed by Jerry Sandusky as early as the 1970s.
9: This is a huge revelation, Pamela. This uh, line in this court order in a lawsuit between Penn State and and its former insurance company over whether or not they should have to pay victims of Sandusky This is huge because up until now, what the squabbling over Joe Paterno's legacy has been about is whether or not he knew certain vague details that may have been relayed to him in 1998 during a failed police investigation or uh, details that were relayed to him in 2001 much, much, much earlier than this date. This date is 1976, shortly after Jerry Sandusky would have become an assistant football coach at Penn State. Uh, This is a very vague line. It basically just says that a boy uh, reported to Joe Paterno that he was abused by Jerry Sandusky. But I want to tell you, Pamela, not completely out of left field in the reporting that I've done over the last four, five, six years. Uh, There is another man out there who has told me on the record that he was abused back as far as 1971. And he also said that he reported it to Joe Paterno and was blown off by Joe Paterno. This is something that we'll be continuing to report out here at CNN throughout the day, but not completely out of line. Now, I do want to say, with, with what we know, I do want to say that the Paterno family has released a statement saying that they are uh, continuing to defend the former legendary coaches legacy. They said that this is, uh, they want a full public review of the facts and they say that this is a single sentence in a court record of an insurance case and that Joe Paterno's reputation has once again been smeared with an unsubstantiated 40-year-old allegation. Again, they're asking for this full review uh, and uh, we, we likely will see something like that in the coming weeks. This is a sealed document. The, um, the full details are part of a sealed record but it wouldn't be out of out of the ordinary here for us to see Penn State go back and try to clarify what exactly this means because this is such a big deal for people in Pennsylvania, for the fans of Penn State, for fans of Joe Paterno to know what it is exactly that he knew. It's been such a back and forth having these gray areas. People want to know and hopefully this will start to give them some answers.
2: The order that she's talking about with this line about a child or a person coming to Joe Paterno and saying that Jerry Sandusky had molested him in 1976 also cites separate references in 1987 and 1988 in which unnamed assistant coaches witnessed inappropriate contact between Sandusky and unidentified children and a 1988 case that was supposedly referred to Penn State's athletic director at the time.
1: So this is a pattern of denial and ignoring the rape, the brutal rape of children. So you know what? Fuck Joe Paterno's legacy. Who cares? Who cares that he won a bunch of football games? Who cares that he was the winningest coach in college football history? He sat on his hands while one of his assistant coaches brutally and systematically raped children On the facilities, in the facilities of Penn State. Who cares what his legacy is? It's a legacy of pain and destruction and human misery as far as I'm concerned.
2: There was a 2012 interview with the Washington Post, Sally Jenkins, and she talked to Joe Paterno and he could not explain how Sandusky evaded him and so many different authorities for so long. He said, quote, I wish I knew. I don't know the answer to that. It's hard. And now I think we're starting to learn the answer to that.
1: There was everybody kept their mouths shut. Right. People who knew didn't speak up.
2: Which this is so confusing to me because this seems like one of the most basic issues, right? I mean, we can have a little debate with Andy about some gray, ambiguous area, but this seems pretty black and white. Yeah, it's
1: children, the most innocent among us, and they're not being defended.
2: When you get a report from a, a kid, you need to take it seriously. When you're getting... Multiple reports from your assistant coaches, and this is over several years. This is 71, 76, 87, 88. This is over several years.
1: Right. Decades. It it, it crosses decades.
2: So it's not just a one-time report where you think, huh. I mean, you should still take that seriously, but I guess maybe he could have been like, huh, I guess I'll just wait to see if this continues. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? And then you hear his family say, oh, this is just one line in the report. Yeah, it's one line that says something pretty serious. Does it not?
1: Well, listen, it is because it's the same thing as the Catholic Church, and we're going to get to that next, but he is protected for the the quote-unquote greater good of the overall program of the institution of Penn State football. Well, we can't say anything. It might tarnish the program. It might bring besmirch Penn State University, which is the exact same thing as the Catholic church. Oh, we can't protect the children because it might hurt the Catholic church. Well, up next is a story we've been sitting on because it's just been so busy, but a Catholic Priest who has since been convicted. He is a convicted child rapist. He's still a priest. He was a priest in Minnesota when the charges were levied. He moved to back to India, where he is from. He denied, denied, denied the charges. They finally got him back to face justice and he was convicted. First, I'm going to play an interview prior to him leaving India when he was denying what he did. I want you to hear his denial and how vociferous it is, how convincing maybe his denial is.
9: How are you feeling?
6: In the past four and a half years since he left his U.S. parish, Father Joseph Jayapal has lived and worked here in the Catholic Diocese of Uttakamand, India. A quiet, cool, mountainous area of South India, tucked away from allegations of the sexual abuse of two young girls, until now. At the bishop's house where he now works, Father Jayapal told me he only knew of one
3: allegation from 2005. They said that I kissed the child. That's it? Yeah.
6: The accusations now are that this girl says that you threatened the lives of her family members if she didn't come to your office and perform oral sex.
3: No, it is a lie. It is totally a lie. Because I did not have any contact with them. No contact, no communication.
6: With children at all? Why would someone accuse you in this way? If there were no truth to this...
3: I think there may be a motive uh, to get money from the diocese.
6: You think this is about money? Yeah. Here in India, Father Jayapal says he does only paperwork. Do you have contact with children? Do you have any role involving children? Can you
3: explain this? Because since I stay here, as you see, here nobody will come. Here there is no contact with the children or anybody.
6: News of the allegations against Father Jayapal has reached this area, where Catholics have told me they think he should face justice if he's done anything wrong. The diocese here says it knows nothing of criminal charges. Father Jayapal says he only knows about the allegations from what he reads in the media. But he did tell me he is ready to go to the United States and face his accusers.
3: I'm ready to come and clear my status. And I can prove that I'm innocent.
6: Father Jayapal says a
3: particular Bible verse gives him strength. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely. Liz
6: Nislas, CNN, Uttakamand India.
1: So there he is, quoting scripture, to ingratiate Catholics to his cause. Well, he did go back. He was convicted. He did spend time in jail. Now he's back in India, and the Catholic Church is putting him back in ministry. They're going to put him back in a parish with contact with children. Well, here's an interview with Megan Peterson, one of his victims, on India Today, talking about a lawsuit she has and generally about her relationship
0: with Father Jayapal. In fact, we have the rape survivor, Megan Peterson, live with us on phone from New York. Megan, first of all, if you could tell us, what is your concern at this moment all about?
10: Um, We are bringing a public nuisance suit against the bishop in India because he has decided to reinstate an admitted offending priest, Father Joseph Jayapal so the suit is is aimed to get father Jayapal out of ministry and to protect children in India
0: Megan are you worried that he might also make uh, other children victim in this country because uh, you know by by his own admission not by anyone else this appears to be a case of a person who's a repeat offender a serial offender
10: Absolutely. It's it's um, it's a well-known fact that uh, perpetrators or sexual molesters generally don't stop at one victim. In fact, there's multiple here just from his um, short stay in Minnesota. So, without a doubt, children are at risk and would be uh, wounded by Father Joseph Jayapal.
0: Now, uh, in, in just a short while, in fact, we'll be speaking to your attorney, Jeff, and... Uh, it seems to be that his position in the past has been that Joseph Jayapal was not only molesting you, but other children also at that point. Is that true?
10: I am, I am not in contact with them. Um, they've remained anonymous, which is absolutely the right thing to do as well. I'm the only one that is speaking out as a survivor of Father Joseph Jayapal.
0: Now, you know, Megan, I understand it's incredibly tough for anyone to talk on an issue. It's like, in your own words, as you said in the past, it's like being re-victimized. Now, but uh, can I perhaps ask you, or may I know, what would Joseph Jayapal would say to you? Did he threaten you? Um,
10: Father Jayapal was a very manipulative and violent person that used his collar um, and my faith in the church to gain access to me. Um, So so most of the abuse occurred just because of my absolute trust um, within the priesthood and within the Catholic Church, and uh, Father Jayapal was often violent as in using threats um, against my life and my family's life to get me to cooperate with him.
0: Megan, when did you know that he's been reinstated as a priest? Because uh, I I think what has irked and irritated you more is the fact that uh, he's been reinstated.
10: I believe I got notice in the beginning of February that the bishop had decided to reinstate him into the priesthood. Um, And this was, you know, this wasn't even a, a full year after this man pled guilty and explained what he had did uh, to the other victim. I mean, it's 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 ridiculous in my mind uh, that they're even trying to re-enter him into the priesthood.
0: I, I, I can imagine that uh, it must be devastating for you at this moment, Megan Peterson, but uh, many thanks for speaking to India today at this moment. It's a very difficult situation for anyone to uh, speak out about these things because these in- incidents are... Only in your own words, they sort of victimize a person and takes great courage to talk about it. Thanks very much, Megan Peterson, for joining us here on India Today.
2: So Peterson is not the only one calling foul. The Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, Snap, says this is the last straw. "Quote: It may be the most irresponsible Vatican move we've ever seen. Catholic officials in Rome have lifted the suspension of a recently convicted predator priests. Now, this is a quote from Snap's outreach director, Barbara Doris. She said, quote, We are stunned and saddened by such blatant recklessness and callousness. Doris added that the survivors are grateful that Peterson filed the lawsuit, which she referred to as a novel approach to trying to protect children from known predators by taking legal action to expose predators the church has reinstated or protected. Still, it gives one pause to think that the Vatican could turn such a blind eye to a case in which the priest admitted to abusing minors and was sentenced in a secular court. Quote, I say this carefully and only after considerable thought. David Closse, Snap's director, told the Daily Beast, the Jay Paul case is the worst we've ever seen.
1: Tell me again, those of you who revere Pope Francis, tell me again about what a wonderful man he is and how he's really getting a handle on the child rape problem in the Catholic Church while he looks on. While this happens. Disgusting. He's no better than any previous Pope. No better. All right, let's move on. Dolemocracy twenty sixteen. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. On this late, late edition of Dolomocracy. Let's get right to it We've got a few things to cover Paul Ryan was interviewed by JTAP the other day The Speaker of the House The current Speaker of the House And he made a very bold proclamation, I guess Kind of surprising to the political world And the Republican Party
11: And joining me now The Speaker of the House of Representatives Former Republican Vice Presidential Nominee Paul Ryan Speaker Ryan, thanks so much for joining us Thanks for having me, Jake. How are you doing today? So, Mr. Speaker, you have said throughout this process that you will support the Republican presidential nominee. Now you have a presumptive nominee, Donald Trump. Will you support him?
4: Well, uh, to be perfectly candid with you, Jake, uh, I'm just not ready to do that at this point. I'm not there right now. Uh, And I hope to, though, and I want to. But I think what is required is that we unify this party. And I think the bulk of the burden on unifying the party um, will have to come from our presumptive nominee. Um, I don't want to underplay what he accomplished. He, he needs to be congratulated for an enormous accomplishment for winning, not now a plurality of delegates, and he's on his way to mi- winning a majority of delegates. But he also inherited something very special uh, that's very special to a lot of us. Uh, this is the party of Lincoln, of Reagan, of Jack Kemp. And we don't always nominate a Lincoln and a Reagan every four years. Um, but we hope that our nominee um, aspires to be Lincoln and Reagan-esque. Um, that that person um, advances the principles um, of our party and appeals to a, a wide, vast majority of Americans. And so I think what is necessary to make this work, to, for this to unify, is to actually take our principles and advance them, and that's what we want to see. Saying we're unified doesn't in and of itself unify us, but actually taking the principles that we all believe in, showing that there's a dedication to those, and running a principal campaign that Republicans can be proud about and that can actually appeal to a majority of Americans, that to me is what it takes to unify this party. So you're saying you can't,
11: you can't support or endorse him right now?
4: Yeah, I am basically saying that. Look, I'm, I, I, that's, you know, I thought about this two days ago. Um, I thought actually this thing was going to go to June 7, at the very least, probably to a convention. And so this is all pretty new for us, but at this point, Um, I think that he needs to do more to unify this party, to bring all wings of the Republican Party together, um, and then to go forward and to appeal to all Americans in every walk of life, every background, um, a majority of independents and and, and discerning Democrats. And so, you know, I think conservatives want to know, does he share our, our values and our principles on limited government, the proper role of the executive, adherence to the Constitution, Um, There are lots of questions that conservatives, I think, are going to want answers to, myself included. And I want to be a part of this unifying process. I want to help unify this party, but we have to unify it, I think, for us to be successful. For us to have a campaign that Republicans are proud of going forward that is unifiable and that, that actually can go and appeal to a vast majority of Americans. So let me say this.
1: It is nice to see someone in government... Someone on the other side of the Republican Party who who has a little bit of integrity to stand up and say, no, no, I'm not going to support him yet. Now, it may come to pass that Paul Ryan decides he will, but he's not jumping on board right away like Dick Cheney did, like so many others are just, oh, Republican. It's party over principle for many of these people. And it's nice to see that that's not the case with Paul Ryan.
2: Well, now he has Sarah Palin coming after him for this, saying that he has been so disrespectful to the will of the people that he is at risk of losing his job. (laughs)
1: Like she's somebody we need to worry about. Well, Donald Trump responded to this when he sat down with George Stephanopoulos the other day and was asked directly about Paul Ryan's statement.
5: I sat down with Trump at Omaha's airport on Friday, just before a rally. And I began by asking him what he plans to tell Paul Ryan when they meet face-to-face on Thursday. I'm going to say, look, this is what the people want. I just don't understand why he didn't, you know, most people have come out in favor. We've gotten tremendous endorsements over the last short period of time. Uh, Even Governor Perry came out. I mean, he was very rough. and." Then he came out and he had a very beautiful statement. I mean, he came out with a magnificent statement. Look, I've had so much support. I've had support from all the people that Paul Ryan works with. I mean, you see all the congressmen that are coming forward. They're coming forward in waves right now. And I'm actually a little surprised that it's happening this quickly. And just about the, I mean, I understand why a Jeb Bush or a Lindsey Graham, who I don't even care if he supports. I mean, I was rough with him and I beat him badly. I mean, 48 to 2 in his own state. Uh, and, and I understand that, but Paul Ryan's yeah, a different... It like you're saying he's going to have to come to you, you're not going to come to him. No, I'm going to certainly come down the middle, but I'm just going to have to see what he's looking for. I was very surprised and very disappointed because, you know, you should be... We're going to be cheerleaders for the Republican Party. We don't have to play cute. That became his line of the weekend. You know, he called me three weeks ago. We couldn't have had a nicer conversation. That's great and we'll, you know, work together. Well, Everything's fine. And then all of a sudden, he wants to be cute. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see.
1: Goddamn. He's a joke. He's, he's a, a laughingstock. And by extension, everyone who voted for him is a laughingstock. He's an embarrassment to America. Mm-hmm. I just... I guess to answer Jeremy's question further... <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed about the whole deal.
2: He released a great statement. It was a magnificent statement. It was a fantastic (laughs) statement. (laughs)
1: Tremendous. He used all my really good words. So the the whole talk, the the, the conversation about a VP pick has been coming up, and Sarah Palin was asked about that very thing. Donald Trump is turning his attention, he says, to picking
11: a running mate. Are you willing to be vetted for that job?
12: Uh, I think I'm pretty much as vetted as anybody in the country could be vetted uh, already so i I think uh, there are so many other great people out there in America who can serve in this position Uh, I think if someone wanted to choose me they already know who I am what I stand for they wouldn't be in for any surprises
11: so if he wanted to talk to you about the gig your, your your phone is right there
12: well I wanna help and not hurt and I am such a realist that I realize there are a whole lot of people out there who a anybody but Palin I I don't I wouldn't want to be a burden on the ticket and I recognize that in many many eyes I would be that burden so you know I just I just want the guy to win I want America to win and um, I don't know if I'd be the person that would be able to help him win, Jake.
11: A lot of Republicans are worried about Trump's poor standing with women voters, which is why I ask um, about whether or not he should put a woman on the ticket.
2: She's the realist.
11: Oh, yeah,
1: she is. (laughs) Here's what I got out of this. Um, that I think she really wants to be picked, but she's trying to play the humble, like, oh, no, I don't want to blah, 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 blah. But then prefaced all of that by saying I've already been vetted. No one's been vetted more than me. Blah, 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 blah. Right. Which, let me, listen, here's a a message (laughs) directly to Donald Trump and Corey Lewandowski and the rest of the team. Please, Please. 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 Please pick Sarah Palin. Please make her your vice pres- presidential nominee. That would be spectacular. It I don't would know. Be tremendous. Maybe
2: people are more receptive to Sarah Palin this go round because when she was with John McCain, he was holding her down a little bit. Right. Now, now she'll be with someone who kind of matches her temperament. Yeah,
1: she'll be unbridled <sighs> to be able to act as crazy as she wanna. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, it would be so good. All right, well, we have talked in the past about Hillary Clinton and her server issues and the ongoing FBI investigation, or generally the Justice Department's involvement in that. Well, things are maybe taking a turn here, I don't know, but there's a Romanian hacker who claims he personally breached her server, and he has been questioned by the United States Justice Department. The Romanian hacker who claims to have gotten into Hillary Clinton's private
11: email server says he's talking to the FBI. Chief Intelligence correspondent Catherine Harrod spoke to the man known as Guccifer and joins me now with more on what that could mean to the email investigation. Good evening, Katherine.
13: Well, thank you, Chris. The Romanian hacker who says he easily breached Mrs. Clinton's personal email server in early 2013, also claimed in a series of jailhouse phone interviews with Fox News that he spoke with the FBI on the plane when he was extradited from Romania to Virginia last month to face separate cyber charges. 44-year-old Marcel Nahal-Lazar, who goes by the moniker Guccifer, says he spoke to an FBI agent for 80 minutes. The conversation was recorded and the hacker took four pages of notes. Separately, a government source confirmed that the hacker had a lot to say on the plane, but provided no other details. Fox News understands that a meeting at this Virginia jail between the FBI and the hacker was expected as early as this week. I spoke to Lazar recently with senior executive producer Pamela Brown. You have talked to the uh, FBI on the plane?
0: Yeah, right. Because they came after me, arrived right from the FBI, from the State Department, yeah.
13: Did you have any visits from the FBI when you were in Romania?
3: I had 2014 in March.
13: Clinton aide Huma Abedin and others have now been interviewed as part of the FBI's ongoing criminal investigation. The source would not speak on the record about the probe, but said Abedin was questioned about whether classified information was willfully transmitted onto an unsecure network. Though under the Espionage Act and the Gross Negligence Statute, intent is not required. This week, Mrs. Clinton addressed some of these issues you been contacted or your representative has been contacted by the FBI to set up an interview? No. No, no. no contact there? No. Any indication that your private server was hacked by foreign hackers? No, not at all. The Clinton campaign said in a statement today that she is encouraging her aides to answer questions, though there was no reference to the FBI nor her IT manager who struck an immunity deal with the Justice Department and took the fifth on Capitol Hill, Chris.
4: Catherine, thank you. Well,
1: first of all, why is it every high-level hacker has to have a stupid nickname.
2: What was it again?
1: Guccifer. Guccifer. Like Goose and Lucifer. Yeah. They had a baby. It would be Guccifer. Maybe he just likes to goose the ladies. (laughs) And he's a devil about it.
2: Yikes.
1: (laughs) Anyway, I don't know. I mean, we're going to see. I think it is relatively problematic that a Democratic administration's Justice Department is investigating the presumptive Democratic nominee for president, but uh, I don't know. It's just something to follow. I wanted to keep you guys apprised of it, and uh, we will follow up and let you know how that goes. Let's wrap the show on, I guess, a less than positive note. It's the asshole of today. I don't think that we have ever granted or or bestowed the honor of asshole of today on an entire state.
2: Well, this isn't necessarily the entire state, right? It's the, the, the Oklahoma State's Criminal Appeals Court. No. Right?
1: I, I don't know. I kind of want to just name the whole state.
2: Okay.
9: <laughs> Why not?
1: Here's what's happening. Well, tonight, a controversial ruling getting a lot of attention. And
9: it's getting it around the world. It involves teen who said she was raped, forced to perform oral sex while she was passed out. The court says because she was unconscious, no law was broken. News Channel 4's Abby Broyles is live with that story, first at 6. And Abby, this is because of a loophole in the Oklahoma law.
14: Yeah, that's right guys. You may have seen it on social media today. A lot of people are upset about this. Happened up in Tulsa, a 17-year-old charged with forcible oral sodomy. Well, a judge dismissed the case saying under the current law, that wasn't a crime if the victim is unconscious or intoxicated. Our state's highest court agreed that is the law, at least for now. A 17-year-old boy accused in Tulsa County of forcing a heavily intoxicated girl to perform oral sex on him. Prosecutors say it happened after the two were drinking at a park. The boy claimed the girl consented, but she couldn't remember anything after leaving the park. A judge dismissed the case, saying under current law, that wasn't a crime because the victim was so intoxicated she was unconscious.
5: It's opened a Pandora's box with regard to how their Court of Criminal Appeals is defining force.
14: Legal experts say the word force is part of the issue here. IT'S ONE OF THE ELEMENTS OF THE FORCEFUL ORAL SODOMY CHARGE PROSECUTORS HAVE TO PROVE.
5: FORCE IS uh, JUST A USE OF uh, PHYSICAL CONTACT, HOWEVER SLIGHT, TO GAIN WHATEVER ADVANTAGE YOU WANT um, IN A SITUATION.
14: SOME LAWMAKERS WANT TO MAKE THINGS AS CLEAR AS POSSIBLE WITH A NEW BILL THAT ADDS A DEFINITION OF FORCE MCKENZIE JUST DESCRIBED.
8: IN MY OPINION, IT WAS JUST THE COURT GOT CAUGHT UP IN SOME LEGAL SEMANTICS AND REALLY DID AN INJUSTICE TO THIS VICTIM.
14: Representative Scott Biggs is working on the bill. It would add language to more closely mirror Oklahoma's rape law, which does address unconscious or intoxicated victims.
8: Now, what happened to this victim can't happen again.
14: Now, I spoke with the prosecutor on the case this afternoon, obviously disappointed for the victim in all of this. He could file what's called a motion to reconsider for the court to reconsider their decision, but he said it'd be very unlikely because this decision was unanimous. The bill that would change the language of the forceful oral sodomy statute could be heard here at the Capitol as early as next week. Of course, we'll continue to follow it. Reporting live at State Capitol, I'm Abby
2: Broyles, News Channel 4.
1: We know you will, Abby. Thank you. Um, nah, I'm with you. I am with you.
2: What in the hell is going on here? So, if someone gives another person Rohypnol, the date rape drug, it's just open season.
1: That's right. Well, they're passed out. How can it be rape if they're if they're not if they're not awake to protest? I mean, w- what is the logic? I mean, basically,
2: they're saying. Because the person is so intoxicated that they are unconscious at the time of the forcible sodomy that they're basically just cool with it because they're not saying to stop. Right.
1: Oklahoma, asshole of today.
2: Well, and this is also why defense attorneys get a bad rap, right? Because (laughs) they exploit holes like this.
1: No, that's, that is exactly right. It's, and in this case, it's a defense attorney who is representing the young man who orally raped a young girl in a park and got off scot-free because of some weird language in their law. This needs to be fixed immediately. It kind of goes back to what we talked about last episode with the BYU thing where oh you're you're drunk and you're passed out well there's going to be extra punishment for you on top of the the sexual assault on top of the rape there's going to be some punishment for you in that your 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 victimizer isn't going to be held to justice
2: Well, the district attorney, the Tulsa County District Attorney, Benjamin Fu, said the plain meaning of forcible oral sodomy, of using force, includes taking advantage of a victim who was too intoxicated to consent. I don't believe that anybody until that day believed that the state of law was that this kind of conduct was ambiguous, much less legal, and I don't think the law was a loophole until the court decided it was.
1: Yeah, it's disgusting. So maybe it's just this judge who made a shitty ruling against a rape victim.
2: Because, again, like you were just alluding to, focusing on why the victim was unable to consent, again, puts the fault at the victim's feet. That's right, yeah. Because this is essentially saying, well, yeah, I mean, she drank a lot. So once you're passed out, I mean, it's just kind of open season on you. Sorry about that.
1: Shouldn't shouldn't be drinking. It's... It's disgusting. So I guess we have penned it down. It is the judge who's the asshole of today, not the entire state of Oklahoma. <laughs> we'll see what happens from this, though. They are going to file the, the, the brief and see if they can get this uh, decision re- reversed. But uh, goddamn, what's going on? Disgusting. All right. We are going to leave you there. We appreciate you guys listening twice a week or as often as you do. We appreciate you. We love you joining us as often as you do. If you'd like to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to dollamore.com and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link there. You can donate via PayPal or Patreon. You can go buy something on Amazon following the link. Every little bit goes a long way towards supporting us. We really do. None of it goes to waste. It is awesome. If you aren't in a position... To give monetarily, you can scoot on over to iTunes and rate and review the show on iTunes and that helps tremendously.
2: But remember, even tiny donations help me to buy Trader Joe's snacks to disturb the show while we're recording. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah, even a quarter an episode, 25 cents an episode.
2: I love peanut butter crackers.
1: She does love peanut butter crackers. That is that is a fact. All right. We love you guys. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this is Ben. I Doubt.
2: No, it's like a wiping joke. Yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. But that's not, it's not just for babies. <laughs> so.